G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in Melbourne studios of 3CR on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and we pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Stick Together is made possible through the financial support of the Community Radio Foundation and we come to you on the Community Radio Network through your local community radio station. Today we bring an extended interview with Lindsay Jackson, director of the campaign Not My Dead. Following the landmark challenge and win by Diana Amado with assistance from Victoria Legal Aid against the federal government's automated debt collection system, fondly called RoboDebt. It is a system which has been harvesting money from former and present Social Security recipients, including pensioners going back in some cases for 12 years, using an averaging system now deemed illegal. We thank Peter Davis from 3CR's Over the Wall program for the interview. The reason for taking time to consider the issues that come out of the robo-debt debacle is that it is a clear indicator of the federal government's management style where they take from the poor to give to the rich in the form of tax cuts. It is important to ask yourself, is this a sustainable way to run a budget? And at what cost do the whole of Australian society? This is a public service announcement. Lindsay starts by discussing how Centrelink's robo-debts began. We started to see people talking about issues with getting these debts from Centrelink, not really understanding or having information as to where they'd come from or why they'd been issued. And the debts were going back years, so people were being asked to go back and get payslips from five or six years ago. And lots and lots of people saying that they'd also had these debts. But there didn't seem to be much cohesion around collecting really solid information about what was going on. And it really got my interest. And I just can't see which organisations or bodies are going to really be able to pull this information together quickly so that people can figure out what's going on. And so through that, I offered to build a campaign website and start to create a movement and a discussion about this together and we started to collect stories about people that were affected by this. Um, So what we found from the Senate inquiry was that people were just getting these contacts from debt collectors saying you've got this huge Centrelink debt. And for so many people, it had been years since they were on Centrelink. And so all of a sudden, they're, they're starting to be harassed and hounded. And it just really added to the frustration and the harm for people, really. And here they are lumped with thousands of dollars worth of debt that they can't explain. So a couple on an age pension got an inheritance payout. They reported that to Centrelink and have had no troubles with it and and from their understanding everything that they reported was fine and that there were no issues and now five years later the automation has triggered that there is an issue and that there's a debt to be raised. And that's not the first time that I've seen an account of something where someone has reported something and 
there's been no action on it for years and years and then the automation of the system has triggered a death from it. So it's incredibly confusing because people think five years ago that they're doing the right thing and that's the common thread throughout this. People understand that at the time they've reported fairly and accurately and they've done all of the things that they've needed to do. They've provided the paperwork at the time and yet five, six, seven years later, they're, they're being hit with a debt and then they're also being asked to resubmit paperwork that they also had believed that the system should have. So it's really confusing and it's really onerous as well. Prior to the court case, um, the complete onus of proving the robo-debt to be wrong was on the recipient, uh, the government would generate these algorithm robo-debts with no onus to actually prove that they were true and the complete um, set of responsibility fell on the recipients. And and looking at um, what's been happening this year, um, we've been hearing stories of people, each time they've threatened to go towards a court case, that the government has suddenly been conveniently contacting these people and wiping their debts, thinking that if there's no existing debt, then they won't have a court case to stand. But someone's actually gone through, or two cases in Victoria, and managed to get it through to the government. And we've been hearing the government speaking, as you said, um, trying to talk this up a bit, um, the outcome of the court case, saying that they're now having actual human beings reviewing the robo-debts before they're sent out to people. Do you believe that's true? Um, yeah, there's a few things in there's a few things in what you said that are, I think are interesting. Um, the one of the problems is that now all of this stuff goes through. You're you're dealing with a call centre, so you're dealing with outsourced contractors, non um, non Centrelink staff, but exactly. Out- yeah, so so uh, so well, as well. So it, sometimes it can be a mix. So they've got scripts. Like you're dealing with people that are just sticking to the script. Um, so unless there's transparency around what it is that um, that people are within that you know people working for the department are being told, then then that stuff's tricky. Um, the reverse onus of proof stuff wasn't tested in the courts. Um, so because the because the government conceded on this, that that bit wasn't really tested. So the extent to which that's lawful or not lawful is is still unknown. Um, what when you go through the through Centrelink, so you can ask for an ARO, which is a person, a human looks at the case. Um, then you can contest it and go to what they call an AAT1, which is the Administrative Appeals Tribunal. Um, we see cases that go to that. Then if you go beyond that to AAT2, those findings are made public. Um, now, we haven't, there hasn't been a case that with the robo-debt stuff that has made it to AAT2. It's at that point that the department, um, that we've seen the department come in and um, negotiate with people. Often the debt is at least reduced by half, um, huge, huge reductions in the debt. And, you know, the, the sense from our point of view is that there is, that they don't want it to get to AAT2 because that will start to set legal precedents. Do you think um, there's a, a lot of people who aren't perhaps equipped to get to that stage of AAT2 and are still getting the old type of robo-debts and, and not knowing how to proceed? Hundreds of thousands of people. 
Absolutely. The percentage of people that even go through to the ARO review, which is in Centrelink, is less than 10%. Um, and, and, you know, that's despite a whole lot of noise and a whole lot of resources and support. So it's incredibly... And, and I've heard... Um, I've heard uh, call tra- calls that have, uh, that have... where people have got them through Freedom of Information where people are being actively deterred from going to an ARO. They've been told, you can't do that unless you give us your payslip information. Um, so now we're telling is that, people Sorry, is that, that, a, is that a legal statement? Um, well, look, I think that the what they've been... Ta- I, I, you can ask, it's, a, it's a tricky one, right? Because an authorised review officer, what the department would argue is, I would assume, is that an authorised review officer can't look at all of the information, can't look at the case and whether or not a debt is legitimate unless they've seen the paperwork. Um, and therefore, that reverse onus of proof is people should go and get the paperwork. But now that the court case has found that the averaging should never have happened, like that the averaging is unlawful, what we're saying and what um, organisations like Victoria Legal Aid are saying and the government are saying that they will rely on other information to, to, um, to raise a debt, not just the, not just the averaging. So what is that other information? Find that out before you give any bank statements, pay slips. Um, that's, you know, I think that people are entitled to know what, what information the department is using um, Is there any, now. any specifics on that other information yet? Uh, well, no. Like, what is that other information? That's that's the whole, you know, that's the whole problem. Like, this is, it's it's all. We're talking old legacy systems. The government doesn't have this data in the systems anymore. They don't have the information. They're not, you know, they that it, it's ridiculous. It's okay. So seven years ago, have, are they are they going to produce the you know the forms that you filled out when you went in to say what it was that you were earning, or are they going to give you an extract? From if you did stuff online, it's 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 quite outrageous, really. And now we're at the point where, you know, the whole the whole cost of robo debt, the whole trust in the system, the legality of the system, all of that has really just entirely eroded. Um, and yet, you know, from all, it still seems like the government is is doubling down on this. Um, because the minister came out and has said, you know, just because that, just because the averaging is um, unlawful, there's really not no no real issue here. Can carry on, um, which is quite outrageous. And as you said, there's only ten percent currently that are, are appealing the debt, so it's big money. As we've discussed in the past, it's um, actually when we factor in the debts that have been targeted also at pensioners, um, it's in up to the billions of dollars. So the government needs to, um, I imagine in their opinion, protect their forward estimates budget because they've put so much money into it and they're going to be doing any tactic they can to try and prevent people from actually appealing their robo-debts. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely like that we saw how important this you know, $1.5 billion was to the budget bottom line in the election. Um, and, you know, for both sides, for, for, for both sides of, of the political spectrum. Um, so, yeah, you know, and, and 
people power and people uh, pushing back on this and exercising their rights has has cost a fortune um, and it you know the, the amount that they're getting back so far has been marginally more than the cost of the of, 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 of this and this just adds another huge cost that taxpayers are paying for I mean we're paying for the cost of this legal I don't you know I don't feel good about telling people in principle to go and to go and talk to Victorian legal aid and other legal aid organizations because dealing with Centrelink administration is not what those underfunded under-resourced organisations should be doing. Like, they've got, you know, this is, this is taking critical money away from legal services um, that other people in the community need to be accessing. So, you know, it's, 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 it's expensive, it's ridiculous, it's unfair. It is something that we should be getting angry about. And I think that that is the, the putting the pressure onto your local member of parliament um, is, is really important because... You know, this this just this this does speak to the integrity of our social welfare system and the the way that um, the way that government departments and the parliamentary system operate. Stick, stick together. together. Yeah. Stick together. together. Yeah. Stick, stick together. together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio. You are listening to Stick Together, Union News, Workers' Stories and Social Justice Issues. We are listening to an extended interview with Lindsay Jackson from Not My Debt, a campaign put together to focus on the government's robo-debt arrangements coming out of Centrelink. She speaks to Peter Davis from 3CR's Over the Wall program. The recent court cases have shown that there's a question over the legality of robo-debt and the federal government's two-pronged attack on Social Security, the slashing of public service jobs and the use of unmediated digital data harvesting to produce a second-rate Centrelink service has been worrying society for a number of years. It's the rich robbing from the poor to give money to the rich and such as the big tax cuts coming up, they're still planning for big business. And further um, social impacts and also economic impacts to a lot of the people that have been targeted by these robo-debts, um, maybe people who have um, disability or a mental health condition, there's women escaping domestic violence situations and they're pulling on the resources of organisations that are trying, like I know myself as a, a mental health worker, it's it's we're seeing an increasing number of people come into services with one of their main issues is um, Centrelink troubles. And, and we, as men, mental health workers, we're spending a lot of our time and resources trying to assist people with Centrelink troubles. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it's so, it's so frustrating. Um, and how on earth, you know, how on earth do you have a government department that is so critical and so difficult so difficult to deal with, and 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 yeah, like like you said, it, it takes it it takes away it takes away from individuals' capacity to kind of do things and to live their lives, and then has a flow-on effect for other services. Um, it, yeah, it's it's it just 
it's just so frustrating. And so one of the, the key things about the, not, the piece of work that I've done with, with, with the group on the Not My Debt stuff, and it is important to understand that, that this whole thing is part of a big movement. So we're just a small piece in this. It's, it, it really has been lots of people, lots of organisations working at different levels um, that have brought this up as an issue to the forefront and sustained it for the past three years. Um, so the, the Not My Debt website and we've got a Facebook page and Twitter support. So it's definitely been instrumental, but it's, it's one key piece. So the, the one thing that we've done has really been about storytelling and story sharing. So you know, we've got about, I think it's about 1,200 stories on our website of people that, you know, they're, they're, they're terrible stories. They're people that have been, um, think, you know, that are weighing up whether or not they can afford food or if they're at risk of homelessness because they can't um, pay their, their rents. We're hearing when, um, when, pe when uh, people's tax returns started being garnished, they were people that were, say, you would usually, say, pay for their insurance or their registration in bulk um, or organise Christmas. And, and do that sort of stuff so they really relied on their tax returns. Um, people that have just had um, their um, debt payments just taken out of their account without realising and then they've found that they've been in arrears with their rent. That's something that's happened particularly with people with a disability where say the public trustee is part of or, or other sorts of institutions are part of managing their income. Um, so it's had a it's had a huge negative flow on effect, um, and you know it'll be it'll be it'll be um, a blight on on Centrelink and and on the government for many many years to come, um, and we should all be incredibly angry that automation and data matching and online services are used and abused in this way without. Um, anyone in government, anyone in the department ever stopping to say, actually, we are causing harm here, we're causing unnecessary expense, this is the wrong way to go about this. And instead, they just doubled down and they, they're still doubling down and they're just pushing ahead with it. Um, on your website, it says um, the government's also removed the six-year limitation for chasing debts and retrospective compliance checks have also been undertaken on recipients of family tax benefits. Yeah, yeah, so that was something that was done quite early on, so that was done a few years ago. Um, the Minister has come out and said numerous times, including in Parliament, that um, that no debts are going back more than seven years, um, which isn't true. So we've had a lot of debts that have gone back, or they were raised, um, but the raising of them wasn't triggered in the system, so it's you know so there's some there's technicality and weasel words that get used within that. But the long story short is we are seeing debts that are going back you know as far as 12 years in some cases, um, and there is still an ongoing Senate inquiry into this. So it's the second Senate inquiry, um, and they are still doing. They they do have public um, hearings that are happening early next year. Um, it's not too late to either you know to 
um, to you know forward your information or to if you've made a submission to to speak at it. Um, people speaking up about this has really been the thing that has kept this to the forefront. If people didn't, and and I know that people have done it um, by being incredibly brave and incredibly generous about doing stuff for the greater good, um, in both cases with the two legal aid um, cases that went through to the courts, both of those people did it not for themselves, but because they knew that if that that they had agency to speak up and to follow this through, um, and that their actions would really help other people. Um, and you know that's it's it is it's the positive out of the campaign as a whole um, in a situation that just shouldn't be happening. One of the positives, as, as you alluded to before, is there's been increasing um, attention about this with in the public. Like, as you said, you speak to someone and they're likely to know someone that's experienced a robo-debt. But also, I think within the last year in mainstream media, current affairs programs, we're seeing more stories about robo-debts and the impact upon people's lives as well. And you mentioned that the commonality between other campaigns and we know that the cashless welfare card campaigns are also documenting stories of, of people and how the Inju welfare card is impacting people. So can you see between the Not My Debt website and, and Legal Aid and the cashless welfare card sites and even the attention that's getting in media, there is a really big growing you know, groundswell as a people movement towards uh, these unjust policies by the government uh, targeting the poor to gain revenue. Yeah, absolutely, um, and 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 it is it is great. I, I guess you know the thing about the thing about not the not my debt website piece um, is that you know we we're not an organisation, so we we're just a group of people that really cared about this stuff and and had the digital skills to kind of put put this stuff together. So when it comes to say collecting stories, we don't collect any private information. Um, so we don't, you know, I guess we can we can kind of, we can provide support in a different way than organisations can. Um, now, what I'm really pleased about is for organisations that are, are seeing the benefit of, of giving communities voice over this stuff. Um, I think a lot of organisations still fall into that trap of doing things to people rather than with people, um, when really if you if you if you provide support to the communities that are being affected and um, you know help them whether it's digital tools or money for flyers or whatever whatever that is, um, then then you with with the not my debt stuff by us raising up the stories of people and saying okay this is the reality of of how people are being impacted, it then meant that those organisations rather than just complaining about government policy to government, they were responding to the voice from the community. Um, and I think that for things like the cashless welfare card, there's still quite a long way to go to creating that sort of shift and that sort of discussion. Um, but definitely with, say, the Raise the Rate campaign, um, that had really strong grassroots movements where um, from, say, South Australia, the anti-poverty network in South Australia started to go to local councils and just one by one hit those local councils and get them 
to pass a motion to agree that the rate of new start was too low and needed to be raised. Um, and so, and and they just, you know, they just they just kept at it. They kept refining their messaging. They kept uh, getting better at um, engaging with uh, with councillors. And, and, and found found that support, and so that's been hu- that groundswell's been hugely influential in then say ACOS being able to take it as a national campaign to um, to to push it at that at that higher level. So all of all of those things become incredibly important. It's not it's not you know just relying on organisations to kind of come in and you know the amount of energy and time and and the way that you need to kind of pivot to, to um, absorb these changes and communicate with people and, uh, and help people when they need it is, is incredibly time-consuming and difficult. Um, so people, people power does become really important and um, the Not My Debt stuff is, it has all been a collection of small things. Anyone that shared this on Twitter has been significant in this. Anyone that shared it on Facebook, anyone that's made a phone call to their local MP, anyone that's gone into their MP's office, those, all of those small actions is why this is still an issue three years on and it's why um, organisations like Victoria Legal Aid end up with the community mandate to say this, in, this issue is important, we must find a way to resource this and take this through the courts. So in summary, we're, again, talking about very um, big complexities with people trying to understand the process for once they receive a robo-debt. They can go to the Not My Debt website. They could visit their local legal aid website. Legal Aid Victoria's got a lot of new information because they've been fighting these court cases. People could also look at the ACOS website, the Australian Council of Social Services. But in particular, as you said, the legal aid websites now have um, a, a page dedicated to robo-debt. Including template letters. So you, you can take the, take the text off there, uh, replace it with your information and send that through. That's it for Stick Together this week. Thank you to Lindsay Jackson from Not My Debt and... Peter Davis from Over the Wall Program on 3CR. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and on iTunes and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 My name's Annie McLaughlin. Remember, wherever you are, Whatever you do, there's a union for you. And until next time, stick together. This is a public.